1: Call AmericanEagle.com at 773-NETWORK. That's AmericanEagle.com 773-NETWORK. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannotto and
2: Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis' sports station, 92.9 FM ESPN.
1: Welcome, welcome,
3: welcome
1: to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at JWright929 ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Mark will join us in just a moment via the phone. Let's let you know what we've got coming up on the program. It's Monday. It's overreaction Monday. We'll overreact to the Super Bowl as well as the Tigers win over to Lane yesterday afternoon. Jason Muns is also going to join the program. He'll join us here. About 235. We'll get his thoughts on the Tigers. Big week for the Tigers as well. They have the North Texas swing, or they'll play North Texas on Thursday, and then they'll play at SMU on Sunday. 305, we will get into the list. Want to discuss the waste management and the reaction. I got some thoughts on the way the PGA Tour has handled that situation. The Grizzlies also take on the Pelicans tonight. The Grizzlies riding all, all matter of perspective, either an eight-game winning streak or an eight-game losing streak, depending on how you look at it. We'll preview that as well. But now let's welcome to the program the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter, on X, at MG Mark, good day, sir. Hello, Jeffrey. Um, Of
2: course, uh, you know, it it was funny yesterday. So yesterday I'm at the Tigers game. First first Tigers game I'd been able to go to in person since the Vanderbilt game, I believe. Um, And um, so I'm sitting there, and it was the first time Lindsay was at home with all three kids for a time, just her. Yeah, And, well, she sends me a text message in the middle of the game. Like once my oldest had gone to a birthday party with a friend's parents and was like basically like, you know, there were some tough moments, but, you know, we made it through and it went okay. And I'm sitting with Jason Munns. At courtside at the game, and he goes, oh, "She shouldn't have sent that. She jinxed, she jinxed it. She jinxed it." Yeah, Jeffrey, what was the next text message I got? Right, this right, is a disaster. Right,
1: for, S- something along the lines of, "This is a disaster."
2: No, it was, it was right when uh, right when I was waiting for Penny to come to his press conference after the win. I get a text message uh Casey our our middle son uh our middle kid uh he just woke up with a 102 degree fever yeah that's um, good stuff so we yeah we jinxed it um and so you know when you got a 2 week old baby also you got to you know I got to stay home so I keep him away from the 2 week old baby because you know if a 2 week old pops a 102 degree fever he you got Yeah uh, real problems <laughs> so um that's my day today. um but
4: it's
2: it, it, Overreaction Monday is like made for Super Bowl. Post Super Bowl Monday, we got you got the Super Bowl. You got the Tigers getting like their first no stress win in forever, like two months. It felt like Uh, probably like what since the I guess the Wichita game on the road was a kind of a no
1: stress win, right? Yeah, but I thought this was I thought this was actually more encouraging because the Wichita State game felt like just insane shooting, an insane shooting performance in a second half. This one just felt like the Tigers controlled the entire game. Yeah. Um and then you've got so you got that, you got obviously
2: everything going on in the post you know, our first Taylor Swift Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um
1: you know, like Some are like, saying first know. and only.
2: <laughs> well, um so you got that. You also got you mentioned the Grizzlies. We had Ja speaking at his AAU trials. Did you see that clip? I did not of, see this. Um yeah, Ja kinda talking about how you know reflecting on uh how he he needed to take care of his mental and his and his uh uh um his spiritual and you know kind of, like I thought it was uh he was like basically giving a talk to all the kids who tried out for his AAU team in South Carolina this weekend and you know it was you know like it was it struck the right tone it was just the right amount of um you know hope towards the future, but also, like, very clearly, like, understand. It, it felt like he understood, like, the predicament he had put himself into, but also, like, he's also had a str- string of bad luck here. Like, you it, it just, it reinforced, like, all right, this guy's been through enough now. Hopefully he's turned the corner. And, it, you know, like, especially now that he got the, he comes back and then immediately gets a season-ending injury. It's just, like, you forget sometimes, like, this guy's been through a lot.
1: Now. Yeah, no, it's just a really bad year.
2: Yeah, um, but see, the that, um, you know, because like, let's be honest, stuff that's happening on the court isn't that interesting with the Grizzlies. I know, I know, some people are talking themselves into like the developmental stuff and all that, but like, I'm not there. I'm just not there. I can't do it's it. It's tougher. You know? I mean,
1: like again, I'm, I'm if Gigi and Vince continue to look great, I'm not going to act like it's nothing. But a huge part of this is okay. I've what do these guys? I, I, what do these guys look like with in in the context of Ja, Dez, Jaron? We still haven't have an answer at the five next year. Like, there, it's bigger picture issues. I, I've you know, my my whole thing is I've seen enough. I'm convinced that these guys could be like
2: nice rotation players for them next year. You know, but you're right. Like until we see them with those guys, it's like whatever at this point. I've seen them look good. You know, being kind of like primary options, um, and, like, I'm encouraged by it. Um, I don't really need to see two, mu- two more months of it, you know? Um, but we are. This is last week before the All-Star break, so um, we got that. But um, I feel like we should start with the Super Bowl because I was trying to think in my head. I know it was, a you know, like the first three quarters, essentially, where, you know, were defense-dominated. Um, but I found that to be – one of the more compelling Super Bowls I can remember
1: so um, I thought one of my one of my overreactions was I thought the halftime performance mirrored the game like I, I thought it was kind of a slow start for usher but the mm-hmm. second half was just unbelievable and then you know you culminate with yeah to close the game and and that was incredible I feel like the entire game flipped on I don't even know how to define it but the punt. So I don't yeah. you can't really call it a muff because it didn't get to Ray Ray. He kind of I guess you could say he muffed after it hit. Yeah, first it looked like he made a terrible blunder when I watched yeah, it. Yeah, when, when you're watching live, you go, Oh, he
2: actually knew what he was doing. When you're, when you're watching live, you're
1: going, What is he doing? And then you saw you're like, Oh no, he was he realized like I've got to get on the ball and it just you know it, Yeah, it just scare him away. Um
2: but I just felt you know, it's funny to me that everyone it seems today so fixated on the decision in overtime by San Francisco to take the ball first and what evidently appears to be them sort of at least the players admitting they were not aware of what the overtime rules actually were. But like I just kept going I just I, I keep seeing this storyline come up and I'm like, did it really affect the outcome of the game at all? And like then you look up like it sounds like there's real like Kyle Shanahan said afterwards, like I guess he his thought process at least he this is what he said was like we would get the ball on the third you know the first they would get the first
1: decision. crack at sudden death that's that's yeah. basically his that explanation made that made sense to me right honestly. the the issue then becomes well, there's the scenario at play if the chiefs so if the Chiefs, yeah, they know what they have to do.
2: Do they, they go they for two
1: and prevent you from even getting the ball back? So you never, yeah, you, no. you, like I and Andy and the, the, I guess it was Travis Kelsey who said,
2: you know, afterward or someone said after it was Chris Chiefs, Jones. Like, yeah, the plan was they were going to go for two if that scenario played out. I just don't think it affected. Like I don't, I didn't come away from that game going, man, San Francisco lost that game because Kyle Shanahan took the ball first in overtime. I came away from that game going, San Francisco lost that game because in the first half they had a chance to, like, build a huge lead and kind of made a bunch of blunders to keep Kansas City in it when Kansas City couldn't get anything going.
1: Yeah, I I guess where you could make the argument, it it is significant because they would have handled fourth down differently. And they wouldn't have kicked the field goal. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if – you you, you have guess. you get more information, like, you know, there's no doubt when Kansas City gets the ball back, like fourth down, okay, we have to go for it. Like you know, it allows you to, to make those decisions. But I do agree with your general premise. To me, the game was largely lost early when when Kansas City looked like they were completely uncomfortable with their offensive line and they had they couldn't get anything going. They had that one pass to Hardman and then promptly turned it over. That was it. That was their whole offense in the first half it felt like. And then when you think about okay, so it's 10 to 3, they get the field goal, the Chiefs get the field goal right before the half and you're thinking okay, this this next drive is going to really determine things. And you get the Mahomes interception where I still have no yeah. idea like I don't know if it was a if it sailed on him and he was trying to hit Kelsey or I think he, that's that's how that's how I interpreted it. That it was the only thing that made sense because pass. Kelsey Kelsey was actually open. Yeah, I think he overthrew it on the run. Yeah, what I it, that's how I interpreted it, it. It just sailed on, but it was a a bad throw, and then they wind up not even you know they're having to punt it back to them, and so oh. so to me it was as someone who decided I am sick and tired of betting against Patrick Mahomes. And watching him just rip my soul out. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna both emotionally hedge because if I lose the bet and the Chiefs lose, I'm not exactly like upset. So I'm taking I'm taking the Chiefs and when it got to half and you felt like they're only down seven, that to me seemed like a problem for the Niners. Yeah, no, and then they
2: figured it out enough and then, you know, ultimately late, you know, Mahomes was Mahomes. You know, like when you when you when you leave it up for grabs in the final six seven minutes, how many times has Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes lost in that scenario? It, the one time against Joe Burrow, that's it,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could make the argument the in big games, I should say. Yeah, no, I, I mean, know what you're talking about. But D Ford is really the reason why they lost to the Pats. Uh, the Pats, his first playoff game against Brady. And then the other loss to Brady was, like, they had no offensive line. And and he was just running for his life. But to me, to your point about, it just felt like the entire time, Mahomes, you kept giving Mahomes chances, chances, chances. And eventually you knew he was going to make you pay. It felt so much to me like when you used to play Alabama and you let Alabama hang around, like, in the peak of the Saban dynasty, eventually they just kind of got you. And it felt mm-hmm. like the same thing last night with Mahomes. It's like they keep they keep giving him chances with the ball, and eventually he's just going to he's just going to rip your heart out, and that's what happened.
2: Well, and then you know me, I, I'm a sucker for the the post championship celebration is almost as good as the game for me. And with you know, I've been invested in the Taylor Travis relation. This was just an epic. This was an epic. This was almost as good as the Capitals post championship celebration. I thought, so, in terms of all
1: the different scenes we got to see. Did you did you put the Nickelodeon broadcast on for your boys? Uh, no. Okay, and we should have. I think so. So I had TV TV one. We had the the main broadcast, so the CBS broadcast. We threw on a side TV. We threw the Nick broadcast. And let me tell you what, if you thought they showed too much Taylor Swift on the CBS main broadcast, Mark, the Nickelodeon broadcast was just Taylor Cam. Nice. And I mean, nice. that's that's. I should have put it on. Yeah. I Didn't they identify Travis Kelsey? I saw a clip.
2: They identified Travis Kelsey as Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Yeah, and Don't I think, I think I it, it also name
1: said, tag. and really good at football, they, had, they still had the most vicious graphic. For anyone that watched SpongeBob, I know you're probably you're in that age where you're probably kids. My my son, my oldest son actually has started watching SpongeBob recently. So one of the the key gimmicks is like three hours later, they put Mm -hmm. a vicious graphic up after the after the muff pun or whatever we're calling it, and then they score. uh, They put three hours. There was a graphic three hours later. The Chiefs finally scored a touchdown.
2: That's really good, but um, you know, but in the, within this post this championship celebration, did you catch? You know who did the best post championship interview this year? Um, two, who I thought did the best post championship interview in terms of interviewing, like you know, like Mahomes and Kelsey and Reed. They did the rounds. You know who had the you know who did boom, the best? boom with Andy, boom and bug with all of them with Mahomes. Like if you go. If you watch the go if you can find it the Mahomes Kelsey interview with Boom and Boog was for our show's purposes Jeffrey just fantastic because there was an appreciation of Boom within the interview like Boom asked Kelsey what were you thinking as you watched Mahomes go on those couple runs you know towards the end of the game when he got he got the key fourth down conversion and then the big what was it, like a 22-yard run or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they they, right? they they basically On – the one play.
1: of the big – the game flipped when they realized if we run this zone read RPO and they read – when they they were reading Bosa and Bosa was like crashing hard, so they ran that play and he took off and ran. Like, Kelsey was out in the flat and he just – he turned it up and he got 22, but – you know what an underrated well, big play well, like it ended up not costing well, him.
2: Berman, but I wanted to let you know. Berman asked Kelsey, "What were you thinking when that play happened?" And, and Kelsey just started going, "Whoop, whoop!" like imitating. Boom! It was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And then he said he he was like making fun of the Bills a little bit, like you know, like they were asking about the underdog stuff. And Kelsey's like, "Yeah, we had to go to, we had to go to Buffalo where they circle the wagons, and you could see like Boom's eyes just perked up." Circle of wagons, he's, he's throwing the lines out there. Then we had to go to you know the MVP in Baltimore and all that. It was just I thought I thought it was uh it was it was really you got to see a little bit. It, they seemed much more they seemed relaxed with Boom just because they were probably like us growing up
1: watching his highlight package. Well, it's ironic. So my freshman sophomore roommate is a diehard Niners fan, and mm-hmm. you never really know. Like in one of the group chats. It's there's multiple Niners fans, so we didn't really know what to do or to say. But he used to laugh at me because when we'd be playing, he'd play flag football with me, and he would get he would laugh out loud whenever like I would take off and run and I'd make somebody miss. I would go whoop whoop, and then he, I got back to the huddle one time. He's like, "You can't be the one that says that." Like he's like, "Other people have to say." I was like, "Listen, it's all for boom." Like that that man. I watched the NFL for that man. Like you know what I mean. Like I have to. I have to pay respects. Now
2: I was. I was. You know, maybe I was doing. And then you had the. You had obviously the Kelsey bump of of Andy Reid, which weirdly Nance and Romo like ignored.
1: Which, they like, just blew past. It. Like like it's something like we've seen before. And then they went to the desk crew at halftime. They're like, well, you, you know, you don't I, see that very often. You know, like it was bizarre. Like that was yes. that was like my whole problem with Kelsey has never been it's never been the the Taylor Swift or the the dating shows, whatnot. It's like I just don't really like his personality. And that to me was just like the ultimate like try hard, look at me, look how angry I am and it's just like, Oh my god. Like what, what was well, he gonna do? What was he I didn't even understand what he was upset about. Was he upset that I think
2: he was upset that like on that play? he wasn't in the game. Right, but they got they the block. Out, I know, because well, they take him out of the game because of blocking stuff. And I think Romo seemed to interpret it as he was mad he wasn't in the game. Um, I don't know what the hell it was. It seemed like he's he was just mad. Like, a lot of people have digested it as, you know, hey, I'm like a, I'm like, Got a huge spotlight on me. My 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 girlfriend and her famous friends are up in the up in the skybox today. I've I got caught one pass. For I've one got yard. I've
1: caught one pass for a yard. Yeah, my um, brother. Now, I was watching my brother, and he looked at me. and He goes, "I don't even remember the catch." It was like, "It was like on the first drive." I was like, "It was like a little RPO flip," but it was nothing.
2: Yeah, it was like a, it was like a tight end screen play yeah. type of deal. Um, but then after the game, you have him up there doing his pro wrestling stick, where he's singing. You know, he did his. Viva Las Vegas and um, and uh, fight for your right to party thing, and they kept flashing to Taylor, and I kept looking at her. And I'm going, oh, she's like realizing this is what I've this is what I this got is what
1: tonight. I've signed up for.
2: This is what I've got tonight. This is his stick. But they had the cute scenes from the club afterwards. Them them kissing and dancing to her weirdly to her music um, remixed. Um, but it was I, uh, you know have what a, you know this is what it's like she probably thinks as a sports fan this is what it's like you join up and three months later you get a title
1: honestly like, <laughs> the, the whole like when you talk about i'm also convinced that there's nowhere near the backlash like when people do the these conspiracies on the deep part of the internet y'all they're conspiracies on the deep part of the internet with everything like people yes. are amplifying these things and make for the most part people, people are either are like
4: take, sorry people go
1: ahead we're taking tweets by like
2: right-wing right-wing people who are panicked that taylor swift might endorse joe
1: biden well like and this is the other thing that
2: into thinking a lot of people are against this i guess this not. is the
1: other thing it's like i would say to those people it's like when has the the celebrities always go for the democrat like what is what, what is, when is this yeah. how is this new like
2: i just well and i just don't think what has she done to like she's just gone to the games she, she looks like she's going to the games and having there. a bunch of fun like, yeah, I, they showed the I, – I was surprised they didn't show it on the telecast. I saw it on social media. They chug. showed it on the big screen. Yeah, the chug. Like, I don't know, yeah, that was very endearing.
1: What's that? Yeah. What what message does that send to the youth?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but um, just in general, I mean, well, I mean, to to, to wrap this thing up, I mean, this is – does this – you count this as a dynasty now, right? I mean, oh, this absolutely. This is as good a five-year run as we've seen. I mean, other than the Patriots. In the modern era, there's not a better five-year run than this, right? I mean, I guess maybe the Cowboys of the early 90s
1: were similar. I mean, they're they're going to be going – they're going to be attempting to be the first team to win three in a row. Yeah. Now, I – and I have my doubts about it just because
2: this one felt – didn't this one – this one felt – I mean, I know they were underdogs, they had to go on the road, so obviously that played – but this one felt the most unlikely of the three.
1: I I think you make the argument, like, this is as good of a run to a championship as anyone we've seen because, all right, yeah, they they pound the Dolphins the first week, the shell of the Dolphins, fine. They went to Buffalo, and I thought in a game in which Allen played his ass off, like, they beat him there, then they go and they pretty much pants the ravens the number 1 seed on the road pants the number 1 seed and mvp on the road correct and then the the team that had largely been considered the best team in the nfc they beat them and i don't know the thing that i found found myself thinking the whole time it's i'm not even convinced mark that this is like a good team like that this is one of their yes. of all the teams mahomes is going to win a title with this is well, probably nowhere near his best team But that
3: to me also nowhere
2: near his best. Nowhere near his best. I mean, the defense, this is the best defense they've had of any of the Super Bowl teams. No question.
1: No question on that. But you know what I mean? Like I just the whole time I'm just sitting there going, like, their defense is Chris Jones is incredible. I thought Karloftis was incredible last night. Mm -hmm. Their secondary is nasty. Like they they were it felt like the entire time they made every catch. Very difficult. They're the type of secondary I want. They're not like flashy. Yes, mean. and and, you know, the, mean. and they just they play a ton of man coverage, and they just you don't ever just see someone just standing wide open. Like maybe like the, there were plays where the the Niners ran like in breaking routes, and a guy breaks open. But it's like those are. It wasn't just like oh, coverage bust, and someone's just standing wide open for an easy throw. But well, and you also saw like I mean you've been on this for a while like. We can
2: praise Purdy like compared to where he was drafted and his expectations he is a fantastic quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He's I mean not. to me
1: the, the game the game really boiled down to the gotta have it place. And I thought Purdy made a decent amount. Like that scramble and the throw to Hughes check, which I still don't like they blew they blew past that. The other thing that's starting to annoy me is Why do we even have the official up in the booth? They just agree with whatever gets called anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, well, what are we doing? But, like, that, I mean, but really just boiled down to third down, it felt like every time they had to come up with something, they just couldn't make the play. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, there you have it. No more football, Jeffrey. All right, I got some rapid fire.
1: I got some rapid fire gut overreactions. You ready? Okay, let's hear him. Uh, I, I started off with betting on Mahomes is way better than betting against him. Okay. I thought no no ad that ran will be remembered as a classic. I didn't think, like, oh, oh they're the bad. the Duncan one was great. The Dunkin' Donuts one was That was, was great. my favorite one, but, like, is that going to be remembered as a classic? Maybe not. I'll say
2: this. I'm going to remember. I don't know if it was a classic. I'm going to remember the Jesus one with the washing of the feet. That Very was like, awkward. Was like, it was a it was awkward but effective because, like, I st- I, like,
1: I was like, "What is this about? What is going on so here? What?" The 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 other Jewish ones. So the one that ran pregame was way more awkward. Like it's like a a de- Like they put like a swastika on the on their garage door, and the dad comes home and like tries to repaint oh, the garage. I, I you know what else I couldn't believe a lot of merino. Did, was yeah, I was, I, was, I was thinking of a Marino's age. Well, the thing with Marino is you can always, in the back of your mind, you're always wondering, is he broke? Like, does he need cash? I'm always, I'm always. Yeah. How's I'm a- the, how the steakhouses doing yeah, that, the, Florida.
2: The, but, yeah. I mean, you
1: are correct. We got a buffet of Dan Marino. Yeah, a lot of Marino. A lot of surprise. Um, I would mentioned Usher's halftime performance was, to me, like, it started slow, but it he crushed it at I the end. I
2: appreciated that he tried hard. Yeah. So, like, it was fine. And he was, I liked it. It was fine.
1: He was sweating his ass off. That was incredible. Yeah.
2: Um, he was working hard. He was trying hard. I
1: appreciated that. The other kind of gut, I think Vegas is going to get a lot of Super Bowls. It felt like the NFL was very pleased with how that went.
2: Yeah, well, I, I know people who went said it was not fun being in Vegas. It's like, it was so crowded. Like, oh. someone... Someone told me it took them—literally, someone told me it took them 75 minutes to go 1.7 miles in an Uber. And I was like, what the hell were you doing
1: sitting in the Uber? Just walk. Yeah, At that— At point, you just walk. But yeah. What are you doing sitting in the Uber? But you could tell, like, it, it felt like the—I think a lot of business deals got done, too. Um yeah. The other gut reactions, man, I'm, I'm glad we're done with the whole crypto phase. Like, remember the year where we had all the crypto ads— like yeah. I'm so glad that we are past well, that. Well,
2: now it's AI. Now all the crypto money went to AI.
1: Yeah, I'm so can't, <laughs> can't wait for that. I put uh, this was my gut reaction. I think the Niners are going to regret this one more than the when everyone keeps doing the Kyle Shanahan and the leads and whatnot. This was the one that I felt like, man, they're gonna they're gonna look back on this one because I felt like they were the better team for a larger portion of the game. Yeah, poor poor Kyle Shanahan. By the way, you nailed it when they flashed to Mike Shanahan. Man, he have too much tan. Oh yeah. yeah. Well,
2: well, he's no more dye in the hair, so yeah. it's all just yeah, he's white. It, which, which I think he makes, looks
1: good as a silver fo- fox.
2: But it but it makes the fake tan or whatever yeah. tan he's got look just he stand out even more. But you nailed it. You said he'd look like red, like a tomato, or something like that. That he did. And the other was.
1: the other reaction I wrote. Evan Washburn, who did the other sideline reporter, I've mm-hmm. never seen this move. His face and hair were the same color. <laughs> I'd never seen that. And then he falls into the category of, I. so if they do whatever, 20, 21 football games a year, mm-hmm. Evan Washburn falls into the category for me. Like, what does he do during the other 334 days of the year? Because he's not like a studio guy. I guess he does. Yeah, I think some...
2: he does. I think he does March Madness. Like he's one of the interview people for March. Like he'll do a site or two at, during March
1: Madness. Right. But like, what does he do the six other days of the week? That That's that's what I've always been fascinated by. And like, I have no, like, it, it's not like a negative thing. It's just, like, I just, I. It's called I, living, it's called living yeah, the dream. He, Jeffrey. We need, we need his agent. Um. Yeah. Can yeah. I overreact to Tiger Basketball
2: before I go and before you bring in Jason Munzer? Yeah, okay? go ahead. Okay. Because Jason will Jason will speak to there. But like this is this is that game yesterday was for me made for an overreaction of they're back, baby, right? That's the overreaction, right? The the team we thought we knew, you know, they're back, right? So <laughs> that fits been an overreaction. They look pretty good. Well, it's funny. So after the game I went and talked to Ron Hunter yeah. uh, afterwards because, well, I was actually the r- initial reason why I wanted to go do it because typically these guys don't come do press conferences unless like their own media are there. and Aside from p- pretty much everyone in the AAC, like the uh, other than Memphis, like it shows you what the league, you know, the priority of the league, like the media doesn't really travel with those teams, those other teams in the league, Tulane included. Um, and so I was originally going to talk to him because – he kind of got into it with David Jones, like that. Remember the whole yeah, technical yep. stuff yeah. that happened in the second half. And I was going to see if maybe I could catch Ron Hunter. You know, he he can be a little loose with his lips. Tell mm-hmm. me what was said back and forth. But at, then at the end of the game, I noticed he and Penny, like he took an extra few seconds in the handshake line to say something to Penny. So he wouldn't talk to me about the Jones stuff, but he would talk to me about what he said to Penny. And I thought it was interesting what he said to Penny was. If you can get these, if you if you play like you did in the first half of this game, you are by far the best team in the league. Um, and now that's a big if. But you know that that stretch where they went up twenty five to six and essentially won, they won the game right there essentially. Um, and just the first half in general, um, where they completely they they had they had Tulane completely out of sorts. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And then Ron Hunter pointed out, and he, I think he's right. He goes, that's probably the best they've played in two months.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely right. felt that. I, I I know the game, whenever it got down to 12, whatnot, but that's the first game really since non-conference. Honestly, I felt like it was the the best they've played, honestly, maybe since A&M because the Clemson game was kind of like a game of runs. UVA, UVA. Yeah, UVA, you're right, you're right. Yeah UVA. yeah, UVA, the UVA game. That was... To me, it, coincidentally,
2: was the last time we had a coach kind of remember Tony Bennett after the game kind of in the pan. Yeah, same line, thing. Yeah, something to Penny and was like, you know, you have a good team. If you can keep, you know, if you can stay on this course, you have a good team. And I, obviously between Tony Bennett and Ron Hunter, a lot happened.
1: I still think I'm not quite ready to say the Tigers are fixed, but I am open to the idea that they did really just
2: have a bad two weeks. I think they're certainly – I think we can all – I think we can say pretty definitively they're headed back in the right direction. The question is, did they do so much – like, this was going to be a tough stretch of the season here coming up no matter what they did a couple weeks ago. Um, and so, you know, like, ultimately going 7-0 or 6-1 and over this next seven-game stretch was going to be hard no matter what the problem is now you've put yourself in a position where like to really feel any sort of comfort going into coming out of the regular season probably got to go 6 and 1 like even 5 and 2 is going to leave you going into the conference tournament even though as i've said i think if they go 5 and 2 as long as like the losses are to FAU or it's like a road game at FAU or maybe the SMU game like i still think they get in the tournament that way but you're going to be sweating bullets on Selection Sunday if you go five and two. Yeah, the, like that's for sure. It's like unless the, you win the conference tournament.
1: The more you take a step back, and yes, USF appears to be better than we thought the moment they lost the game, but you still had a twenty point lead and you didn't close the deal. I just think when you you're going to look back on it and realize the USF game and the Rice game are going to be the yeah. two that you really want back. Because if they win Especially both of the, the- Rice one. Especially the Rice one. I mean,
2: well, you're right. The USF won too, because of the lead that was blown. Like, and, even though USF better than we thought. like You yeah. ultimately blew a 20-point lead in that game.
1: Correct. Rice, and,
2: at least you never were up like that against Rice.
1: And if you had those two games, you'd be sitting at first in the league. You'd be first in the league, and frankly, you'd
2: be, like, I'm not saying you'd coast into the tournament, but, like, you'd, you would you'd be pretty you'd be a pretty close to you'd be as close as Memphis has has got been at this point in the season to a lock in the NCAA tournament in a long time.
1: Yeah, so because just win those two games. The real problem is it's like that Rice loss. I just don't know how many teams in the field are going to have an at-large yes. team are going to have a loss that bad. Yeah, no, it's a it's a bad loss. But watching that game yesterday, I was just going. It'd be a real
2: shame if this team is not in the NCAA tournament because of two really bad weeks, um, it would just be a shame. Because, like, now you've got Quinterly back on track. David Jones, I thought yesterday was one of his best games of the season. I know, like, the scoring numbers weren't gaudy, like the Arkansas game or the – I'm blanking on the other one where he had 30-some-odd points earlier this year. But, like, he was playing in control. He was facilitating. He was really good in the press. Um, I just thought, I thought all around he was fantastic yesterday. Naquan Tomlin looks better and better. Like now it looks like remember those first like seven eight games of Tomlin. Every time he'd be on the court, you'd be like, it looks like the guy who just joined the team. Yes, now he- it doesn't look like that anymore. He looks like he's like just a regular member of the team, and you can see his production has gone up with his with his comfort level. And then yesterday, I thought. Jordan Brown's best minutes since the Missouri game, probably. Yeah, and, I
1: mean, they needed him because Malcolm was in foul trouble.
2: Malcolm was in foul trouble, and, like, you needed a guy, like, you know, they they, they got, what's his name, Jalen Forbes in foul trouble simply by going, you know what, they don't have anyone who can guard Jordan Brown in the post, so let's just feed him the ball for a few possessions. And Jalen Forbes was a non-factor because he got in foul trouble because of all that. It was just, it was a really encouraging performance, I thought. And it told me the team's back on track. Now this week will go a lot further to determining if they're truly, you know, back, you know, in position on the bubble, so to speak. Like if you can go two and zero on this Texas road trip, you're back in business. I think.
1: Yeah. No. I think this is. I think this is a massively important week. Yep. Absolutely. All right, buddy. We appreciate it. All right. That yeah. is Mark Giannato of the Commercial Appeals. Lead sports columnist, you can read his column from yesterday's game over at CommercialAppeal.com. We'll continue the Tiger conversation. Jason Munz joins us next, right here on Otto & Jeffrey, 92.9 FM.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only
1: from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Each and every Monday on the program, Jason Munz joins us. He's the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. You can follow him on Twitter on X at Munzly. Munz, what are we listening to? This is Guided by Voices, Jeffrey, and uh, they're taking us back to the lake. Taking us back to the lake. All right, I guess we'll start here. Are the Tigers fixed?
4: Are they fixed? That's a... That's a great question. Um, I don't think we know
3: yet.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm in the same spot where I told Mark. I am open to the idea that they that they had a bad two weeks and that they're now back on track. I still think this is a massive, massive week for them.
4: Oh, oh, without a doubt, this trip to Texas is is huge. Um, it, it will tell us. I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, you know, Thursday is going to tell us a lot. And, and you know, depending on how that goes, Sunday might tell us even more. Um, but, I, yeah, I can be talked into it either way. I can be talked into that they have, they, like you said, they had a bad two weeks, and they finally have um, figured some things out. Um, a lot of what they said yesterday after the, the win against Tulane, I, I mean, it, it sounded really good, you know, when Penny was talking about how he sat him down after the narrow win against Wichita State, which, uh, I don't know if anybody saw, but that same Wichita State team just took FAU to overtime. They lost, but, um, there was some controversial, uh, things that happened down the stretch that um, ended up forcing that game to go to overtime. Um, but, you know, there, there was a, Penny said there was a film session where he showed him some of the, some of the really, really ugly things that they had been doing over the last month or whatever and said, this is kind of where we are. And then he showed him some good stuff from when they beat Texas A&M, when they beat Clemson, and said, this is where we could be. And he said it kind of really might have gotten, cracked the ego uh, shell for some of the guys. And, you know, I asked him and and Javon Quinterly specifically about David Jones and just how much better, more well-rounded of a player he has looked in the last couple of games. Um, you know, he's, he's put up 23 and 10 and, uh, four, 23 points, 10 rebounds, four assists in each of the past two games, uh, same exact stat line in each of the past two games. Um, he's been more efficient shooting the ball. He's not taking those same sort of reckless, abandoned, um, shots. Uh, and, and really to me, that was kind of the only thing. I mean, yeah, would you like him to pass the ball a little more? Sure. Um, but he, he's been, I mean, re, really to me, the, the, the biggest thing was those sort of out of control, uh, deals that led to turnovers. You know, games where he's turning the ball over nine times, seven times by himself. You know, that had to stop. And it seems like it, it, we, we might be on the, you know, sort of trending in that direction, and if that's the case, not only does it make him better, it makes others around him better, and obviously that makes the team better. But at the same time, I could certainly hear the argument that they're they're playing lower level, you know, teams that are very much subpar to them. Wichita State, uh, Temple are bottom of the league, and Tulane is not having a very good season either, uh, especially away from home. They're very good at home. They've been very good at home. Uh, away from home is is a completely different story. So, yeah, I I just don't think we know yet. Yeah, I think
1: one of the things, and I don't again, maybe you can avoid this and, and never let it happen. But I want to see how they react when they get punched in the mouth because yeah, one one of the key one of the key things we've been watching this year is what happens when things start going against them. That's when you start to see the missed assignments, whatnot. Like, I I wanna see like, you know, for the most part, the Temple game, yeah, it it got kind of weird in the second half, but it was a game they largely controlled. They yep. largely controlled yesterday. Like I wanna see what happens to them when when things don't go according to plan.
4: Yeah, I mean I think they I think yesterday, and I said this on Twitter or X, um I thought it was their most complete all around performance since Virginia. Yes, which was a like months ago. Um and and yeah, I mean like they led for something like some ridiculous number like 38 minutes of that game and that has not happened in a very long time. Um even the game up in Wichita that they put up 112 points, they also gave up 86 points and were only up by 3 at halftime. Um so, you know, like that was a back and forth game in the first half. <laughs> uh and and you know, I I I even th- like yeah, they had 25 assists. In that in that Wichita State game, but they also had, what, something ridiculous like 44 made field goals. Well, yeah, it,
1: it was um, almost like the assist numbers were going to go up just because they, they hit so many threes. And it was like as soon as yeah. the pass went in, like it, that was going to kind of inflate the numbers.
4: Yeah, 19 threes in that game. So, yeah, you're going to get a lot of assists. But yesterday, they were 21 assists on 29 made field goals. Well, they went into the game um, assisting on right at 48% of their made field goals for the whole season. Well, yesterday, 21 out of 29, I forget what exactly that math works out to, but it's way better than 48%. So, um, so, you know, yesterday looked really, really, really good. And especially, you know, yeah, Tulane's had their struggles on the road, but that was a Tulane team that is the number one scoring offense in the league. And they had a week to prepare. They they had not played since the previous Sunday when they, when they played Temple, um, at home. So you know, it, it, I think they held them to what twenty something points in the first half. Um, twenty nine, Memphis. Yeah, twenty nine points in the first half. It's like it, you would you would think that the best offense in the league would would you know be a little better than that. But um, so credit to Memphis for that. Um, but you know, I mean, to be fair to Memphis, you know, you're talking about getting punched in the mouth. You know, they were getting handled by Wichita state just a couple of games ago. Uh, and you know, we saw they turned it on late and he stopped subbing, um, over the last seven and a half minutes. And, and that's how they responded there. Now I'm with you that you could write that off as just sort of like, well, Wichita is one of the, got one of the worst records in the league. And that was a few games ago. Now they've sort of got a little bit of momentum back. Um, you know how will they respond after they've won a few games in a row and actually go up against a marginally better team, which is what North Texas seems to be. That would be interesting. I, I would be very interested to see that as well. Uh, another
1: thing, and, and you've written about it. It's it's over at commercialfield.com about David Jones and, and how he has been evolving as a player the last couple of weeks. I understand he's going to garner garner most of the attention, but I've really found myself wondering: is the biggest reason they look better because Quinterly's playing better?
4: I think so. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. Like I, I don't remember where I. I think I wrote this in the in the the observations. Uh, re, the reca, Yeah, the recap right after the game that you know. Obviously, the two best players on the team are David Jones and Javon Quinterly. And when they when they when one or both plays well, things are things are pretty good. Uh, you know, you 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 you're you're in the game if one or both of them plays well. Especially if both of them play well, you're probably going to win. But uh, you know, when you get somebody like Naquan Tomlin or Jaquan Walton or Nicholas Dordain or Malcolm Dandridge to step up and be a, a legitimate third sort of third like a like a good supporting actor best supporting actor type thing um then they become that much, they become dangerous at that point in my opinion and um but no Javon Quinterly is is ha, always has been and always will be the head of the snake David Jones is going to get the headlines and the spotlight more often than not just because he scores the most points but you know yeah when Javon Quinterly is you know, distributing and controlling the pace of the game, which is exactly what he did against Tulane. When when Memphis needed and wanted to go fast, they did. And when it was time to sort of rein it in a little bit, Javon Quinley's got a he's got a, a lot of the time he's got a really good sixth sense about that. You know, uh, and I I think Kendrick Davis had the better season up to this point. Like, he had one of the best seasons in Memphis basketball history from a production standpoint. Um, He was a better scorer than than Quinterly is. But I think that Quinterly, JQ, has just a much better sense, feel for the game. Uh, Maybe not much better, but he does have... I feel like he's got a better feel for the game. And it's been on display. Yeah, he turns it over. There are games, you know, sometimes sometimes JQ does struggle um you know but when he's on yeah when he when he's on memphis is uh memphis is going to be very very tough to beat so you hope if you're a memphis fan (laughs) obviously that uh that he's going to be on the rest of the year the other thing that i
1: mentioned with mark you know it's it's happened it's in the past but there's no moving on from it it does make you realize the usf has turned out to be better than we expected but blowing a 20 blowing a 20 point lead against them and then the rice loss like those are the two that i think you're going to look back and be like those yeah. were those were the killers because if they flipped this, if they flipped the result of those two games they're sitting here in first place yeah you've got the uab loss on the road but that was kind of understandable it, it's it's I think it's those two losses that, that make it so tough.
4: It is, it is, without a doubt. I mean, UAB also beat FAU last week. Yeah. So, the, you know, Andy Kennedy is a really, really good coach. I don't need to tell you that. Um, you know, and and they've got some guys. Like, Yaxel Lindenborg is playing like an all-conference first-team guy. Um, so, yeah, him, Eric Gaines, like, UAB has some guys. They just haven't seemed to quite put it all together, although they do have wins over FAU and Memphis um, right now. Uh, I'd have to look at the rest of their schedule to see if they've got any wins over like Charlotte and, you know, how they did against South Florida and whatever. But uh, yeah, man, like it's, those are the two that that are the reason why Memphis is in the position that they are in. If those two, if they had won those two games, which they only lost by a combined four points, uh, you know, they lose by one to South Florida, lose by three to rice up by 20 at some point, uh, at one point against South Florida. Um, you know, rice was rock bottom. Uh, just, it just seemed like, it just seemed like there was some real bad mojo happening. Yeah. Still, uh, lingering, uh, over, over the program at that point. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, So UAB beat South
1: Florida at home in the early part of January. They lost at Charlotte 76-70, and then their other loss was the SMU loss last week, or last Sunday. uh, That game was on the road.
4: The UAB has a win over the team that's currently – the only loss, conference loss, that South Florida has is to UAB. Uh, And then they've beaten Memphis and FAU, who were the two odds-on favorites to – to, you know, first and second place, uh, preseason, uh, that's pretty good. Um, but no, like South Florida and rice, you know, if you go out and you take care of business down the stretch, if you take two of three in the, uh, SMU and the two FAU games, you two out of those three, I think I think I could make the argument that you even only go one and two in those games, and you have you and you do pretty well in the conference tournament. You don't go, you don't go and get put out right away. Then I think you're probably in because that, that means you're beating FAU at some point, um, whether it's at home or on the road. Um, I think the key is going to be what because part
1: of this is like how much do these wins help their net? The problem that they're running into now it's like. Okay, well if they run the table, the net will solve itself. But if they don't if they're not running the table, like you're gonna move up, but I don't know if you move up enough. Right now there's what, at seventy seven, I think. Seventy five. Seventy five right now. I mean basically what you're asking is like they really need to get into the fifties. Yeah,
4: and I I mean, you know, I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. You got Charlotte coming to FedEx forum, you got UAB still, another another shot at UAB. Um if those two teams continue to play well then you know that's certainly better than games left against Rice and UTSA. Um and then of course again two two uh, matchups with FAU and, and and one against SMU and obviously the one Thursday against North Texas like it's a pretty stout um stretch run here the only the only really like not great one is is east carolina but even that one's on the road um i i think yeah but i but i agree with you i think that they're going to have to you know like they were up twenty five at one point on two lane and they only yeah. won by twelve. I say they only win by twelve. But it matters yeah. metrically. It does. Yeah, yeah. They gotta finish these games. They were up big at Temple and only won by seven. Like they gotta finish these games to make up some of the ground that they lost by losing to Rice in South Florida. And then of course they have to they have to win some of these some of these key matchups. Um you know, against teams like SAU and SMU, uh, it, it, it doesn't hurt, uh, I wouldn't think, if Texas A&M stays hot, Clemson, Virginia, VCU. If all those teams stay hot, I don't think it hurt, you know, Villanova even. Um, I, don't, I don't think that hurts Memphis. I think that could buy them an extra three or four spots in the net if you're getting down to it at the end and you need to get from, you know, 55 to 50. Um, but it, I... I like I, I think this has the potential to be a very, very like people might write uh, dissertations on, like if Memphis gets in and their net is sixty, yeah, and yet and yet they're still twenty four and seven at the end of the regular
3: season, and they. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?